the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chea, Larry Jones, and from Orlando Medical News, John Kelly. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now, and thanks for joining us on this beautiful Saturday afternoon to discuss healthcare issues that affect you. We want to build an educated healthcare consumer group, and we hope that the messages we put out there are listened to, and most of all, that we're, we're teaching something. Good morning, Larry, or good afternoon. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Dr. Mark. Good to be with you today. Yeah, yeah. It's been a been a busy week. It has. A lot of news. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Every, every week we sit down and we have these conversations and we think we've talked about everything. Right. And then a week later, man, we it's like we haven't talked about anything at all. Right. And yeah. you know, Dr. Mark, I think uh, we, we need to have a conversation because I'm getting very concerned, and, and I know you and I have talked about it, mm-hmm. this hesitancy going on to get the vaccines. No, it is. You know, actually, real concern. Yeah, of mine. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's crazy, and and the that's been pretty big news, right? There's yep. been a lot of yep. conversation, yep. but put on top of that, that Pfizer announced last week that it's going to seek regulatory approval to administer a third shot. I saw that, which yep. which is a whole different argument because a booster, a booster yep. shot, yep. Yep. and but both the CDC and the FDA and pretty much all the immunologists that I've heard talk yep. and the virologists say, you know, it might be needed sometime, yep. but it's not yet. And they're talking about a third shot, and I'm right. still hearing the, most of it talking about the first yeah. shot. And the FDA and the CDC came out and said Pfizer doesn't decide that; we do. All right. No, that so actually that was a pretty good. Yeah. that was a pretty good snapback. That I was. Think, yeah. That was. I think there yeah. were a lot of good mm-hmm. sound bites on you know what the government does and what what we're doing as as people making decisions. Right. But decisions, we're still seeing that same large group not getting their shots. Yep. And the whole time, you know, we've talked about hesitancy since since the shots right. began, but there's been a 200% increase yep. in the number of new cases. Yep. And I'll say all, I mean, because I, I, but but pretty much everybody that's sick enough to go to the hospital yep. was not vaccinated. Well, and, and not only that, die. these percentages of increases are low numbers yep. because you're working off a base. Right. But one of the things that I heard the other day that uh, I took offense to, they said that we've gone from a 5% positivity rate to a 15.9% positivity rate. And the bottom line is, when the 5% was being tested, oh, everybody, everybody was being, being, being tested. tested. Sure. The only people being tested now are the people that are sick. Right. No, there's absolutely... It's not apples no, to apples. A- absolutely different. Yeah. So, no, it is... Makes it, no sense. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's really the number of new cases. And I'll tell you, we yeah. here locally, um, I follow the numbers. They, they send out emails to the medical staff, and, mm-hmm. and it tells us okay. you know, how, many, how many patients are in the hospital with COVID, how many are in the ICU, and how many are on the ventilators on the different campuses. Right. And so you sort of, and there's usually a plot that says, you know, over, over the last, mm-hmm. you know, X number of months, what it's looked like. Right. And our numbers have doubled in the last month. Yeah. 
Okay. Now the ICU numbers haven't doubled. They've right. gone up, but they haven't right. doubled. Uh, but the the new cases and, that are admitted, and the hospitals are not being uh, overloaded either. Right. Well, some of them so, are. So uh, up in not ja- in our area, but in right, the Midwest. So yeah. my understanding yeah. is uh, up in Jacksonville, at Baptist, uh, I was mm-hmm. talking to a nurse up there who said that their ICUs are now full again. Uh, and so it's it's definitely it's not just rhetoric. It's not just right. media. Yep. It's it's happening. I mean, I've talked to a number of colleagues. I actually had a uh, physician colleague whose entire family that's old enough has been vaccinated. And they went off to do a, a kid's camp kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the Delta variant was rampant in this kid's camp. Right. Right. Of course, they don't know this right. till after the fact. Right. Right. And they come home and everybody except the the elder grandpa got sick yeah none of them got hospitalized wow and but because they were all vaccinated well on july 8th the cdc and the fda issued a joint statement on this vaccine booster stating that americans do not currently need the booster for any kind of this constraint the variants however almost all covid hospitalizations and deaths have occurred among unvaccinated individuals dr mark right no it's covers and it's not it's not Cutting a percent here, a percent there. Right. So right. Why, why are we still having groups that aren't getting vaccines? We've right. talked about the, the most common fears, but you, you were telling a story about somebody. Yeah. yeah tell that story, because uh, at I, the I, end, he'll say why, why he didn't get yeah, vaccines. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, last Wednesday, I had a, a luncheon with some bankers here in Orlando, and one of the VPs of one of the large banks here, uh, as we were eating, I just asked him, have you had your shots? And he said, no. My wife has. And I'm, I've got a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old that haven't, of course, but I'm not sure I want one. But the reason I, we were having lunch is he actually wanted to talk to me because he had been listening to our show oh, cool. and wanted to know how I really felt and give right. him some reasons. Right. And so I went through the myriad of the myths and all that. And Friday morning, this was on Wednesday at noon, on Friday morning about 9.30, I got a text message saying, Larry, just wanted you to know I had my first shot and I had no side effects at all good and what i realized dr mark is that he was scared to death of the side effects right. and and he would be i, yeah. I can see why it's the people unknown. would be it's yeah. an unknown yeah. and, and that's where we get it's not they're not making it up there yeah. have, there have been untoward yeah. events sure um, there have been sure. just people that get sick yeah. and then there's all this strange you know, things with blood clots yeah. and with with uh, cardiomyopathy. Well, in yeah, this I mean, particular situation, his wife had already had both shots, and she had she no side effects at she all. But yeah. it made me really feel good to know that I convinced this guy to get his shots, and then yeah. he had no side no, effects. That's good. And I think he was very pleased. So you have to have lunch with 14% of the Americans. Evidently. <laughs> Apparently, you have to sit down. I'll do and talk seven, you, you do seven. <laughs> okay, that's, that, that's fair. That's fair. That's right. What do we weigh at the end of that thing? Right, right. right. No, but it is, in all mm-hmm. seriousness, I, I'm not standing... Here, actually, I'm sitting here. I'm not sitting here denying that there could be some downside to the vaccine. Right. No but, question. But, but I absolutely believe that your potential of the getting reward outweighs, Ill, outweighs yeah, the risk. No question, no question and, about it. And you did. You brought, you brought in a, uh, yeah. a cartoon. And yeah. ca- cartoons are just awful for I radio. I love this cartoon. But this is a great yeah. cartoon. So we'll yeah. have, let's see if we can set it up. So, All right. Okay. So it's, uh, it's a mom and her child. Right. And the child's looking up at mom and says, What's that mark on your arm, Mama? And she says, it's my smallpox vaccine scar. And the child says, well, why don't I have one? And she answered, because it worked. What a great cartoon. Right? So, so I mean, and smallpox right. was, was a thing that yeah. they came up with a vaccine. And so people was absolutely got, was, yep. oh, my gosh, if you read 
the stories about the polio vaccines yeah, yeah. and the number of deaths that, oh, yeah. that were directly our, attributed our to crippled the crippled individuals. Well, that, well no, yeah. the number of deaths that were directly attributed to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. If that was today, we'd all have polio because nobody right. would get the right. shots. That's right. Uh, there, there, That's were, right. there was there was a a group of kids that got the vaccine, and fifty kids out of about three hundred died. Wow. And they still continued. Now, was that right? That was a long time ago. We, there's a, a lot of things we didn't ago. know. Yep. We've come a long, long, long way. And this is this is a a safe vaccine yep. that is going to have some effects on some people. And yep. it may have serious effects on some people, but but the virus right. is, is a well, much bigger well, risk. Well, I think that the media and the politics have not helped the situation. That is the biggest understatement if, of the show. It is. Yeah, it, it really is. is. And and the bottom line is the medical field and there are a few of out you know outliers out there, but sure. the medical field overall says get your vaccine. Oh, absolutely. It's the safest thing for you and your family. Well, period. And well, that's what this show stands for as well, Dr. Mark. Right. And you say medical field and so yeah. I'll tongue in cheek this one. Yeah. It was it was in our uh, our local <laughs> newspaper. Yeah. This uh, vaccine conflict splits yeah. chiropractors. Yeah. So apparently there's a chiropractor, and it's not really important what his name is, but yeah. it's Stephen, in Idaho. It's Stephen yeah. Baker. Yeah. So he has a podcast, and apparently he is, to say anti-vaccine is an understatement. Yep. Right? So yep. He, he throws out there all these things that vaccinated people, it's very dangerous, you're going to turn into zombies, or, you know, whatever he's throwing out there. Yeah. And it got He called the, them modern-day modern zombies that the vaccine would turn them into. Right. Yeah. So, so he's going on and on about this, and he and he's got an open platform, which you know it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. We have in the he United has States. a podcast. He has, yeah. has a podcast. Yeah. He's yeah. getting out there, and so the uh, I guess his main association kind of fought back and shouted back and said, you know, this isn't yeah. this isn't the kind of message that we want uh, want to get out there. So, so you know, just well, there... you know, there was one other thing too. Mm-hmm. As a practicing chiropractor, he made the statement a new policy for his practice. If any of my patients. M- uh, have had the vaccine, I will not allow them in my office for 30 days. I mean, it's just, there's, just, there's some serious insanity that's there. That's total insanity. You know, I wonder wonder what other groups... Like, I think I'd started, get a new chiropractor. Well, what, what do you think would happen if uh, the Orange County School Board had a teacher that was saying that? Yeah, exactly. Okay. What would happen if, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what the American Medical Association yeah. would respond to a physician if they were yeah. saying that kind of thing. Well, also, in all fairness to the chiropractors of America, many of them pushed back on this guy, including the Arizona Association of Chiropractic, said that they were not happy with this kind of com- conversation. Right. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. that's, that's to my point. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that that may be a small part of the answer is this. associations that represent physicians and groups that give advice and people like to listen to them. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. you probably know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Right. They need to be somewhat responsible. I well, mean, if I, you've got doctor in front of your name, there's some respect there. And you have to be careful as to how you use that influence. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you, you've dealt with that for years, Dr. No, Mark. Absolutely. And, and that's why they're, they're going to be those, those outliers. I know every time... Um, so I'm a member of a number of different associations in, mm-hmm. in the medical field. Mm-hmm. And everyone has to have a policy statement. So everyone has to have a, you know, gun control policy statement. Everyone has to have a a, a, a conflict or, and a domestic abuse statement. Yep. Yep. And so these Stark things, and all that yeah, kickback. They they, yep. they they have to they have to have these statements that they believe the group as a majority, not as a whole, abide by or follow. Mm-hmm. And so this is an example where you've got somebody that sort of stepped outside there for uh, shock radio 
and is, is right. just, just making some noise. And well, I, I do I do believe that this guy in Idaho is a little bit of a shock jock, no question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We could we could go that route. We, you know, we probably yep. our ratings would probably go up the <laughs> roof. But uh, but I could I couldn't sleep at night, so I'm glad yeah. that we're trying to bring those pieces of and, and it's it's kind of even wrong to call it. It's not journalism. No, I mean no. It's, it's some form of. I think of, it's fear mongering myself, Doctor Mark. Yeah, well, amateur uh, media. Yeah, and yeah. and it's it's a problem, and yeah. that kind of pushes to the other amateur media, which well, you is know, social media. And exactly, and you know, and and because I've been in the medical field so long, as you have, being as a healthcare administrator, if someone were to come up to me and give me some medical advice, the first thing I would say was, "Could you show me your medical license?" Yeah, right, right, right. I don't, I don't carry mine, Larry. I don't know. I don't know. But, well, I, that's about. All. I, I don't know. I think yeah. that's the final message. Okay, the I'm going to make a uh, healthcare now policy statement. Okay, is that uh, every responsible adult should uh, go out and get their vaccines? Absolutely. Over uh, age twelve. Over age twelve. Absolutely. And you know, take care of your family that and way. Take care of your friends that way. Yep. Otherwise. I don't believe we're getting out from under this. Right. Dr. Mark, we're running out of time on this segment. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk a little bit about the schools opening up in three weeks. Are your annual wellness visits 60% completed? Medicare requires 60%. ThoughtSwift provides a turnkey solution, reducing AWVs 5 to 20 minutes, software-generated care plans, providing patient conversations, and billing codes. Improving macro, MIPS, and HEDIS. Net $125 plus per AWV. Interested? John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. 609-605-6859. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network. Preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. IPNetworkFlorida.com. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar. You know, I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Thyroid nodules, or masses within the thyroid, are three times more common in women than men. Most thyroid nodules are benign, but a small percentage are cancerous. The only option for cancerous nodules is surgery. Some benign nodules grow and cause compressive symptoms or become cosmetically unappealing. Historically, surgery was the only option for these nodules as well, possibly leaving a scar requiring lifelong thyroid hormone replacement. Radiofrequency ablation, or RFA, now provides a non-surgical option. RFA is done in the office. It is safe and effective. No hospitalization or general anesthesia is required. RFA targets the thyroid nodule directly to decrease its size. More importantly, it leaves the balance of thyroid hormone alone and thyroid hormone production intact. Angela DiMazzadio with the Metabolic Center for Wellness is the only practitioner in Central Florida offering RFA for thyroid nodules. Call 407-542-0661 or visit metaboliccenterforwellness.com and schedule your consultation today. Orlando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call 
at 407-701-7424. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. All right, we're going to continue. That was that's a pretty robust conversation. That was. Uh, I think I had to take, take, take a deep was. breath. Uh, I wanted to talk about something else that's a little less COVID-related, but COVID-related none, A little less controversial. Yeah. <laughs> right. So telehealth utilization. So we saw mm-hmm. a big bump on telehealth. Yep. And just for our listeners, I mean, telehealth has been around a really long time. It's yep. been underutilized. Basically, I, yeah. I don't know anybody that thinks it's been. In- it basically went from 2% to 85% of physicians right. using telehealth right. during COVID. So now we're seeing yep. it's it's continued decline, which is that's co- totally to be, be expected. expected. To be People expected. want to go see their doctor. Yeah. You yeah. know, we t- we talk about the different companies that are out there, and I I sh- I'll, I'll, a full disclosure, I actually have mm-hmm. a, a telehealth sure. platform that I throw out there, and I did not design it for COVID. We were working on this prior right. to COVID, right. right? And we expect to have increases in sales and and mm-hmm. and decreases now because that just makes sense. But I hope that. There are some things that have changed mm-hmm. that, that aren't going to go back. For instance, laws saying that the insurance companies have to cover these visits. Those yes. didn't exist in all the states. Yes. They do now. I don't know about all states. I think mm-hmm. it is, though. I, I know Florida was one I'm of the last I'm pretty much adopters. it's most states now, and most insurance companies right. cover it, along and, with Medicare and Medicaid. And, and I feel it, that it's going to be very difficult for an insurance to come up and say, well, that was for COVID-19, and we're all beyond that. So right. I think right. it's going to continue. Because what is... One of the number one things we talk about for healthcare blockades that we that we worry about for people, and that's access. Access, right? It's all about so access. Whether yeah. it means they can't get transportation, they mm-hmm. can't get a point, whatever that is, telehealth definitely makes those things easier. Well, you know, Doctor Mark, we're I'm glad you mentioned that because you know we're actually using telehealth in many of our ACO programs mm-hmm. for annual wellness visits and care gap closures. So care gap closures. Yeah. Explain yeah. what those are. Okay. In other words, when when you're in a value-based program, one of the things that you're required is to have a certain quality score. Right. And that quality score is dependent upon how many care gaps you close based on the patient uh, census that you have. Right. right. And for instance, if you have diabetes, do you have a regular A1C recorded? Right. So you have That's to have that That's a very that simple. Right. Yeah. Right. And blood pressure, same thing. Mammograms, a Mammogram, certain age, colonoscopy, colonoscopy right. those kind of things. Uh, and uh, uh, the... Uh, there, there are many others yeah. as well, but those are the main ones. Right. I bet yep. you haven't seen Telehealth close any colonoscopy care gaps. No. No, okay. That would, that would be different. That would be different. But, but, uh, but annual wellness visit and chronic care management, oh, yeah. without a doubt. Right, and getting people yep. out there to get their labs. and Because right. a lot of times you get labs. The labs go back to the physician. Yep. Uh, that's usually available in a patient portal. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that our listeners should know about, that, yep. that patient portals are pretty much everywhere now. Yep. So I know we always wait for the results, wait for the results. You don't really have to wait if you spend a little mm-hmm. time. I know it can be tech time yep. and right. get on those patient portals. Well, you know, I can give you a personal uh, thing. Last, uh, I believe it was September, mm-hmm. I was just a follow-up on a chest x-ray. Right. And the physician, I set it up as telehealth because I knew it was going right. to be fine. So they called me up. I had a five-minute conversation. They said uh, everything negative, and I was out of there. Right. No, no office visit. No time down. Nothing. I think that's going to make yeah. clients a lot happier. Sure. Because made I can, me happy. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, there's because <laughs> th- if you drove 
45 minutes, yeah. sat in the waiting room for 30 minutes. You're looking at a three-hour yeah. time frame. And, and yeah. you walk out of there for, yep. for me to go, yeah, you're fine, and you already mm-hmm. knew you were fine. So that, that's got to drop patient satisfaction, right. right? Right. So I think you know, telehealth it really kicks into there. Yeah. Well, but, you know, and according to some of the data, according to Medicare data, about 12.5% they've seen decrease in telehealth claim lines as a percentage of the total medical claims. Right. But I think uh, even though telehealth overall has declined, and but I do believe that many of our physicians, they're telling me about 30% of their office visits are now being done by telehealth. Uh, no question. I've talked to yep. a number of, of different specialists who did mm-hmm. zero telehealth. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't go to 100%, right. but, they, but they did maybe 50%, sure. and they're still doing yeah. it because... You know, some people like it more than others. Well, if it's a time management and it's a revenue opportunity sure. to get a lot of patients in in a, in a short period of time. No, I think it's going to be yeah. all based on there, there may be times when you set up a telehealth visit and you need to know that the physician might turn around and go, OK, this was mm-hmm. great, but I, I actually need to see you. Right. So that should be something they should expect. But right? You know, it, absolutely. But, you know, we've talked about this on a number of different shows. The one area of telehealth that hasn't declined, and yet it continues to increase, is mental, mental health, health, Dr. Business. Mark. Absolutely. Tell, give, give me your thoughts on that. So, I mean, I think it's multifold. One is access, and one is that thought of that hesitancy to go in to see a physician to talk about mental health issues. Are these homebound patients? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, there may be some that yeah. ha- that have that is their issue. They they don't want to get out out into the public. Right. But it can just be an anxiety related thing. Particularly the elderly. Thing. Yep. Yeah. And and then and then they become homebound with COVID. So we saw the big jump up with COVID for two reasons. One, everybody's numbers were going up for telehealth visits, and mm-hmm. number two, we saw an increase in complaints of mental health issues during that really stressful time. Right. So you've got a couple of things going on here, but once a group sees that level of access, I mean, I think you break through and go, you know what? That was actually really good. That actually worked for me. They're going to yeah. continue that. So right. I think this was uh, this was one of those unforeseen positive effects of a pandemic sure. that uh, somebody might have predicted. Right. But, uh, but it's definitely something that I think is going to stick with us at some percentage. And and I, I think also, and you can tell me, Dr. Mark, you're a practicing specialist. I think the telehealth is going to be more important going forward as a larger piece of practice for primary care. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Because I think yeah. they're going to see how efficient it is. Yeah. And how much time everybody saves. I and mean, yeah. it's not it's not just about the the nurses and doctors and right. staff's money. It's right. it's about the time that you're saving on the road. And the number of patients yep. you can Absolutely. you can touch in a day. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and that and that's been the key over the yeah. years is is primary care physicians have really struggled as as reimbursement goes down, the only way they can keep their doors open is to see more patients. That's right. And then patient satisfaction goes down because people are yep. waiting around to see you. Yep. And they're yep. not. And you're like, man, I waited. I waited an hour and yeah. I saw you for five minutes. We're right. Kind of right. Return- right. And yeah. and so if you're seeing seventy percent of your patients in in office and you're still scheduling thirty percent of your patients, which would be a larger group of patients, right? In ten minute intervals or right. fifteen minute intervals, you could see a lot of patients yeah. in a day doing yeah. that. Yeah. And, and That's a lot, good time management. Yeah. And a lot of these products, yeah. literally, you go on and you go into a virtual waiting room mm-hmm. and the doctor or the nurse can yeah. pull you out of the waiting room as soon as somebody oh, so, it was so, so cool somebody when I had mine yeah, yeah it's great somebody doesn't show up for an that, appointment that's exactly what they right did up. Dr. Mark they put yep. me in a waiting room yep. I was on my phone I was yep. sitting there the app was up and all of a sudden here comes the physician. I mean, it's almost like waiting in line at the Universal so cool. for a roller coaster. You yeah. know, somebody jumps out of line, you get to move yeah. up, and then right. you've waited an hour for a five-second yeah. or five second ride. And, and, you know, as value-based care continues to increase, and 
we're seeing almost every payer embracing that with different programs. And within our own IPN program, as you know, Dr. Mark, we have seven different value-based programs now right. with all the major carriers. We're going we're gonna to be utilizing that not only from a office standpoint, but also our own clinical management team. Yep. No, it's going to be. It's going to yep. be good. It's, gonna, yep. it's definitely going to stick with us. Yep. Let's uh, okay. shift gears. Talk a little right. bit about uh, what's what's new with healthcare.gov. I mean, we've got okay. over a million and a half people have enrolled. Yep. Um, yep. Six hundred thousand have enrolled in uh, state-based exchange yep. since the announcement of the special added by enrollment period enrollment that started period. February fifteenth. Right. And it's going to right now the. Uh, Drop down date on that is August fifteenth, but that could change. Well, if you remember, Doctor Mark, initially it was February fifteenth to May thirtieth, right? And then they extended it all the way to August. Yeah. But I agree with you; they may not extend it too far past August fifteenth because October one becomes the open enrollment period for the right. new year. No, right, right. Well, what really becomes important is what the back coverage is. So if you yep. if you apply on August fourteenth and you get approved. So now there's eight months back that you can start submitting claims for. Right. And so that right. that's really where the, because I think a lot of people said, well, why doesn't it can just be open all the time? Yeah. Well, then, yeah. then you'll have a lot of folks that are like, well, I'm not going to get it until I already knew I needed it. Right. Which, you know, I think we're still back to the same issues for the Affordable Care Act and the Obamacare as we're talking a million and a half joined through the new open enrollment period and another 600,000 through the exchanges. Mm-hmm. Florida does not have a state-based exchange, Correct. as you know. But uh, the issue still is affordable plan. Right. Oh, that's plan it's, design. It's a very small number. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a very yeah. small number of people. Unless that are, you've yeah. got the subsidy mm-hmm. with a lower income, yeah, it's, it's yeah. no different than right. buying insurance right. on the open market. And to be clear... The product that you're buying is the same as the product that you could get directly from the company. That's right. Unless That's you're right. looking for some type of subsidy. That's right. And you can't really find out if you have a subsidy that possibility until you yeah. like log in and figure it all out. And most most of the major payers, Blue Cross, Cigna, Aetna, United, even Humana, they have an individual plan that in many times may be better benefit design than what the Affordable Care Act is right, offering. Right, right. Yeah, Particularly they're, they're, on the pharmacy side. Yeah, I think that, yeah. that that's going to be... A piece like in the very beginning when they said, "Well, everybody can get their plans from healthcare.gov." That's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that you're not going to see it as well customized in some some circumstances. That's right. That's right. So I think that certainly for folks that are going to get subsidies, there's, I, you know, it's a no brainer. You just have to do it. Right. And it does. I want to say it surprises me, but the number of people that I talk to about doing that who are the exact people that this was designed for and they haven't mm-hmm. done it, mm-hmm. I just don't know what we're doing centrally to get the word out enough to have them look at it. I mean, I think some people are resistant to do it because they think it's sort of a welfare plan. Well, you know, fiscally, being fiscally responsible, Mm -hmm. I think, is the other issue. How long can the American taxpayer continue to fund these subsidies? Oh, no, I don't. uh, And, you know, they've tripled and quadrupled as of the new enrollment period based on the original enrollment period from last year. But there's so many other things on the table in Congress right now um, that I can see this flying under the radar for longer than some of the other issues. Yep. Some yep. of the you know infrastructure issues and all yep. all those things are, are are talking you know in the trillions of dollars. Where I can see because the numbers of people signing up not that large that I I, I know how much money that the the bill allocated for this. Right. I don't know how much is going to Well, you know spent. what's going to be interesting, and, and you you kind of allude to a different point. It's going to be very interesting to see how open enrollment 
that is October 1 kicks in on the Affordable Care Act to see if that many more people actually join mm-hmm. coming up into the new enrollment for effective 2022. Right. It's going to be very interesting to see what those numbers yeah, look like. Yeah, because those those subsidies aren't going to exist. That's right. That's as far right. as we know. As yeah, far as we right, know. I mean, right. we can't, can't be sure. Yeah, now, it's, I mean, it's still, you know, what we'd have to call as a, a failed system. Um, it's offering some comfort to some people. It's offering some coverage to some people, but it's just not gone anywhere near what we need as far as some the government support and cash that we put into it. Exactly. Well, we're going to have to uh, go to break, but we'll be right back with some more interesting details and hopefully, uh, hopefully a few more good stories. Okay. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar, you know. I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Life can be challenging, even before COVID. Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Do you have a thyroid nodule that is cosmetically unappealing? Is it causing difficulty breathing or swallowing? Is it overactive and causing you issues? Radiofrequency ablation, or RFA, is a non-surgical thyroid nodule treatment. Interested? Learn more. Angela D. Mazadillo, 407-542-0661, Metabolic Center for Wellness. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now this afternoon. Hope everybody's still having a good afternoon hanging with us for this uh, third segment. Uh, see, Larry, we were talking about a letter you got from an insurance agent, uh, somebody that was that follows us. Why don't, yeah. you, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yeah. that? I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, you know, it kind of related back to, if you recall, we talked about United Healthcare yep. and their movement to not only uh, reduce ER claims, which is the right thing to do, but also move imaging and outpatient surgery into the independent environment where things are much more cost-effective and higher right. satisfaction right. outcomes. Right, which they've talked about for quite a while, yeah. but yeah. they yeah. actually came out and right. said, we are not going to pay... Were right. things that should have been done in a different place, right. or right. Have, that, that, right. that, that and, and it was interesting. One of our insurance agents heard the show, and he sent me an email this week, mm-hmm. and he talked about there is a a clause in these uh, contracts, and he says it's nothing new. It's been there for years. It's called the prudent person language in an ER policy within a prudent certificate person. of coverage. Okay. Prudent person. And basically, it says that if a prudent person feels like it's an emergency, then it's covered. 
Right. But right. people look to that to mean that if I need anything, a sore throat, a rash, sprain my wrist, my back, anything, it's going to be covered. Right. And it really comes from things like if you're having chest pain, it may, exactly. it may be life-threatening, it may be nothing, right. Right. but a prudent person would go to an emergency with That's a right. chest pain. That's right. But if I have a cold or a sore back, a right. prudent person shouldn't go to an ER. That's right. That's all right. right. So, so this isn't a new thing. Not at all. But it just really hasn't been enforced. It hasn't been enforced. And United Healthcare is going to more strictly apply this prudent person language and keep the minor stuff out of the ER where it belongs. Well, I mean, and I, this insurance I, I agent was very pleased with that yeah, I can't because you got to remember these guys are responsible for the cost of the employers that they represent. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and that's how it came up in our previous shows. We were mm-hmm. saying, well, where is the money going to come from if it's not going to, and it's, so what we're saying is it's going to come from the patient who wasn't prudent. That's right. And now, so there's, I can just see a lot of arguments. Oh, there'll be a lot of appeals and grievances on this. I'm not a doctor. How was I supposed to know? So, so it, but it it is a good idea. It's a great idea. I will go out there. And and I suppose we have to start somewhere. And they Mm -hmm. apparently started somewhere a long time ago when they had this policy, but none of us knew about it. They're right. Well, I don't think it was explained properly. And yet I think the approval levels were relaxed. Right. And people were well, able to get these claims approved. Well, I'd argue that it's still not explained properly. Well, it's not. I mean, you it's you not. explained it really well, but yeah. only to our listeners. Well, right? Only because our right. insurance agent brought it to my right. attention. Right. So that so I think that's sort of the messaging there is yeah. nobody. We know we, we don't read those. No, those. No, who reads a 50 page yeah. right. policy? Yeah, but the thing I think that's important here mm-hmm. is value based care is the future of health care. Yes. It's the only way to stop this unsustainable cost right. in health care. And these kind of things need to happen, and people need to be prudent and understand that if it's life-threatening, go to the hospital. Right. If it's and, not, right. and, and you're going to live another day, go see your doctor or go to an urgent care center. And it goes a bit to sort of the messaging of the show is yep. we all need to be involved with our health care. Absolutely. And the only way to be involved is to be educated and you have it's it's an active process. It's not a passive process. Yep. All that education isn't going to just come to you, but you have to listen to shows like this. You have to do yep. some reading. Yep. But but prudence a great word, right? I mean, but I, I tell you the flip side of that is we're talking one hundred percent right now. We're talking mm-hmm. about commercial insurance. That's right. That's right. So we're not talking about state sponsored or federally sponsored. We're not insurance. talking about Medicare Medicaid. No. And and but that, we are talking about the Affordable Care Act. We we still if are they talking, start yeah. to. Uh, do the same kind of things that United Healthcare is doing. You know? oh, I would imagine they will because it's yeah. the same kind of policy. Everybody's going to follow yeah, it. Yeah. So, but you know, I think, Dr. Mark, to, to kind of put this to rest, the bottom line is we're trying to educate our listeners yes. and consumers to understand that seek the right care at the right place for the right amount of money. Right. How do they know about the amount of money? Uh, you know, let's talk about price transparency. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. good. Yeah, that leads right into I mean, this because I, I think, yeah. I think there's there's a lot of fear about mm-hmm. what people are going to experience not yep. not just when they go to yep. the hospital, but when they go home and get a bill. Yep. You know, I agree. So, yep. I agree. So, so I know we we we've talked about that a number of times, but I think you had a, a really good a really good piece that sort of sums it up. Yeah. Well, you know, the Biden administration wants to increase fines for hospitals that are not making clear, accessible pricing information mm-hmm. available online. In right. other words, price transparency. According to CMS outpatient pay on on Monday, they just announced this. Right. So, so the agency has proposed, and again, this is just a proposal. 
<clears throat> increasing the minimum fine for violations of hospitals that do not practice price transparency and publish their prices online, that uh, the, the rule would allow $300 a day for hospitals with 30 or fewer beds. Mm-hmm. For, <clears throat> yeah, so hosp- any, any day that they, they aren't posting. $300 yep, a day. Yep. But for hospitals with over 30 beds, it would be $10 per day per bed. So it can get up to fifty fifty five hundred dollars daily. Right. So right. so there's this this policy's been around for a while, right? And you know I think that it I don't know how it's been policed. I don't know what the previous fines were, um, and I guess a lot of people would argue that three hundred bucks a day is a pretty pretty scrawny fee because if you if you get to trick somebody into come and getting their their echocardiography, you're going to make a lot more than three hundred bucks in a right. day. Right. But but again. We're taking some baby steps. The real, it's the messaging that's, that's what's so important because if a hospital will price things out transparently and then let's, and let's use cardiology as, as an example. So mm-hmm. let's say you're going to go see your cardiologist and you're going to have a, an echocardiography. So your cardiologist has to show you what that's going to cost you based on the insurance that you have, right? And you need to ask. Yeah, yeah, and you, you do, yeah, you do. Yeah. And so the hospital, you may assume that, well, it doesn't matter. I'll go, I'll go to my private cardiologist or I'll go over to the hospital, right. I'll go to their clinic and we'll get it done there. So that's where people are getting screwed, if you will, over not knowing what those prices well, are. Well, I think the, the fallacy is if it's an in-network hospital and you know your insurance company approves it, that they're going to prove everything that goes on, and yeah. you're just going to pay your minimum copay. Yeah, not, that's not, not, the, not, the case. not the case. Not the case. Not the case at all. No, and and you do, and you run into those things, and it sort of goes back to previous discussions when you get these crazy bills. I'm not saying that you should just go, ah, oh, doggone it, I, I blew it. No, you still need to follow up, make <clears throat> calls, complain, and, and you'll get something out of it. Right. But the idea here is that that there's, there's a – well, I, I think that the uh, Secretary of uh, HHS, again – Mr. Becerra, he did make a comment yeah, on a this. Comment. Yep, yep. And he said, no medical entity should be able to throttle competition at the expense of patients. Right. I fought anti-competitive pricing practices before and strongly believe that health care must be in reach for everyone. With today's proposed rule, we're simply showing hospitals through stiffer penalties that concealing the costs of services and procedures will not be tolerated with by this administration. I like it. It I is like strong. It. That was yep. a good, good like strong it. statement. Good, strong statement. But, you know, Dr. Mark, I think with or without the hospital being transparent, as an educated healthcare consumer, which is what this show is all about, you can ask for pricing on all services you expect while you're in the hospital, including if any of it would be out of network yes. at a higher cost, right. copay. Right. And, and you can see it, it can get it can get kind of cumbersome. Right. Yep. And yep. and it's always good. You know, we, we definitely want you to be educated about your own health care. Yep. But, you know, it's a it's a team sport. It you is. Know? I mean, I think you have you know, to be involved. And fun, I mean, it's, it's really everybody needs to be in that conversation. Well, if you remember the story last week about the guy up in Virginia that uh, went to the HCA hospital and had a 17000 yeah. trauma. Yes, seventeen thousand trauma, trauma team visit. Yeah, visit. Yeah, for, for a laceration on his arm. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But again, I think you need to. Families need to talk about this too. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to make sure that the, that the kids are covered and that you understand where you're going to get in trouble because it doesn't take much medical debt. We've talked right. about this time and time again. Medical debt has been growing and growing and Enormous. growing, and a lot of it is people just didn't know. Yeah, 
I mean, there's there's not a price tag on everything. If I recall the medical debt numbers that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Mark, mm-hmm. 21 million Americans are carrying $46 billion right. worth right. of debt. Yeah, we said that was like $2,200 a person. And the main yeah. reason is ER visits. Yeah. Yep. And so... The that, biggest bucket. Right. So it brings yep. it all back around yep. to the push what United mm-hmm. is, is doing. And, and yep. when do you think we're going to see that from the other payers? I mean, it's, I'm sure it's in their language just the same way. It, you know the prudent person clause is in there. Yeah, it's in there. Yeah. So it's just whether or not they're going to play that that card. Yeah. And well, when it comes to Cigna, and I can mm-hmm. speak to Cigna because we work well with Cigna, Cigna's large portion of their business is self-insured. Right. I think when you come to that area, you're going to have to get buy-off okay. from the employers. Just a quick explanation of what that means to our listeners. What's a self-insured policy? Okay, yeah. In other words, if your employer is self-insured, they're at risk for the claims. Right. They don't pay premiums. They pay claims. Right. right. And, it's and mo- it's then money they pay out of their pocket. They pay an administrative line. fee right. to manage the plan. It may still be a Cigna plan, right. but it's, it's still self-insured by the employer itself. Right. It so was it's, at so full it's, risk. So it's larger employers yep. that know that if they were to just – buy a bunch of Cigna policies for all their people, they'd spend more money right. than if they went ahead and paid out. So it's if they take a chance on yeah. being able to control their claims. And there's usually there's a there's a breaking point where if it's there is. an individual is spending like someone Well if you don't have more than, you know, a couple hundred employee lives, then you probably don't want to be self-insured. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. You know. But uh, there's even an individual breaking point. Is there not? Like if someone, let's say they have uh, lymphoma and they're going to go mm-hmm. undergo chemotherapy. Well, you still have your reinsurance. Yeah. Yeah, so your you stop loss. It's called stop loss. Right, right. And, and that probably at $150,000 a year on one right. individual patient. Right. But the whole thing about this is that if self-insured employers are going to waive this prudent person policy that United is is trying to implement, that would be the decision of the actual employer, not oh, the insurance company. I don't know. I don't know. Because if they're being administrated, I would I would assume that they would use that because that's that's their money. And, it's it's and, true, Dr. And, Martin. And but, if, business. but if it's insured, mm-hmm. and even though they go by the policies of who they're working with, the, the plan, like a Cigna, right. the employer still has the last say. They have the last say. In there. a self-insured market, right. particularly under an appeal or a grievance. They can't right. Through. Well, I think that... That that's those, when those that would groups, apply. Those groups yeah. are the most. Those are the groups of the most uh, entitled to talk to their folks about this is what you need to exactly. do. Exactly, and, and a lot of them have programs that say that hey, before you go to an ER, call this phone number, and it'll be a, a, it'll be their own call. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, I tell you what, that was another uh, another good quick, conversation. Quick yeah, we are uh, ready to go to a break, and we'll uh, come back we'll and be right uh, back. finish out the afternoon. Okay. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar, you know. I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Life can be challenging, even before COVID. Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. 
We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Are your annual wellness visits 60% completed? Medicare requires 60%. ThoughtSwift provides a turnkey solution, reducing AWVs 5 to 20 minutes, software-generated care plans, providing patient conversations and billing codes, improving macro, MIPS, and HEDIS, net $125 plus per AWV. Interested? John Fogarty, 609-605. 6859-609-605-6859. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407 228 or 774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now for our last segment this Saturday afternoon. So let's see, I, I think we've we put this topic off a little ways, uh, but there was some interesting information talking about who doctors work for. Right. And we, we're, you know, we're part of a big independent physician network. Right. And over the decades, you know, it's been almost like a 50-50 shot with some waving one side to the yes. other over, you know, the last 50 years. Sure. And then we saw a pretty steady trend towards greater numbers of employed doctors. Right. So we saw the, you right. know, 55-45. 52-48. You know, yeah. yeah. So this the latest issue adds another group that's that that bumps the number up big time. Right. So right now we're saying 70% of physicians are employed by private equity firms or other corporate entities, i.e. meaning health systems, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's a big that's a different statement, right? That's not it just is. hospital employed. But let's talk about that, Dr. Yeah. Mark, because you know, over the time we've we've been doing IPNF for about 6 years. Uh-huh. And we basically have grown from a handful of doctors to almost 1,000 physicians in 12 counties. Right. And over that period which comes across my desk, I see we've had a few doctors that leave and join the hospitals. Sure. We've had a few doctors that leave and join private equity firms. Yep. We also have had a lot of doctors that come out of the hospitals and these large multi-specialty groups yep. and come independent and join us. Yes. yes. So I would say if you really were to balance it over the last six years, yep. we've probably stayed flat. Yeah, I think the hospital versus independent yep. hasn't really changed. No. But I would say that the the private equity firms changed a have, lot. have grown a lot. No and, question. I mean, it's not... It's pretty easy to follow because these most of the bigger firms are, yep. you know, on the NASDAQ yep. and you can see yep. how they've grown yep. over the last few years. And it's interesting because, you know, when a physician goes to work at a hospital, there's no secret that their earnings and productivity drop. Whereas in these private equity firms, some of them set up incentives and some yep. s- either real ownership or sense of ownership. Right. So it's a little bit of a hybrid, you know? It is. But, you know, it's st- it's stated that corporate entities own half of the nation's medical practices with private equity and other stakeholders producing the sharpest increase between 2019 and 2020 at 32% yeah, increase. Yeah, so that's, that's the growth. That's so a that's big number. About. Yeah, that's, that's, a, a, big that's, number. that's a lot of doctors. And, I mean, I always say, you know, when, when people make that decision, I mean, if you look at it, let, let's uh, take a different industry. Let's but is say. that a good thing, Dr. Mark? 
you know, it's I mean, you've stayed independent know. for what twenty-seven I, years, it's, right? Yeah, it, it's it depends on what's important to you in life, right? I mean, if if you're independent, if literally your independence is something that is something you're just not going to give up, then it may be easier to play it out that way. Right. But is it a, the question is is it a good thing for healthcare? Is it a good thing for cost? And is it a good thing for patients? And yeah. I'm I'm not that positive well about those opinion, those thoughts my know? my study of this which goes back a long time mm-hmm. when physicians are employed by the hospital versus when they were in independent practice cost goes up and quality goes down that's what the and i don't think that's a myth no no and, and obviously we are very biased it, we are however yep. the insurance companies who are not biased approach us because we represent independent physicians Right. And they feel as though they're delivering better care yep. at a lower cost. Yep. But you know yeah. what's interesting? Of that 32% that uh, basically said that in in ec- overall growth of going into uh, ownership, right. physician ownership, mm-hmm. a small percentage of that really represented by hospitals, the largest percent was corporate ownership in these private equity firms. Right. Right, they're the so, ones that are eating it up right now, and and you you have and more to, more to come, right? Amazon's right. getting into it, Walgreens getting into it. We're talking about these big companies oh, that everybody. have other strengths. They have bricks CVS and mortar. just bought Aetna. Yeah. So you know. so that when you start looking at things, let's let's take Amazon for instance. So mm-hmm. Amazon is is not experienced in the personnel side for medicine. Right, they do not have the bricks and mortar, mm-hmm. but they have the logistic capability Delivery. to deliver things right. pill pack for uh, instance yeah yeah so 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 they're bringing something to the table yep. Big and then, time. then you're going to go to let's say a walgreens or cvs well they they have a, a different type of relationship with the professionals um they certainly have brand mm-hmm. association yep. and they have bricks and mortar they do so access that goes up right. right but you know one one there's one outlier in medicine as a specialty that hasn't experienced this steep Increase in corporate ownership, and that's the practice of radiology, Doctor Mark. Well, there, I mean, it's, that's it's a difficult. good thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, it's it's well seven it's to nine percent of overall Medicare expenditure last year was imaging. Imaging. That's a huge number for one specialty. And and they're saying when it's a trillion dollar industry, they're saying more than half of radiologists work in a private practice. Correct. Which doesn't necessarily yep. mean that they don't work at a hospital. That's true. They could be independent yeah, yeah, and contracted. Could, right, contracted. But I think the beauty of it, when you look at what United Healthcare is trying to do, mm-hmm. where by the end of this year, fifty-five percent of their imaging they want in an outpatient arena. Right. This fits well with that. Yep. yep plan. Yep. They're pushing the same way fits with surgery well. centers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's going to be the economics are going to be the driving force, and we're just going to have to see if it if it waxes and wanes. I mean, how does? Right. I mean, the biggest pieces, you know, physicians are going to be moving around more. You know, city to city, whereas I think historically they kind of stayed in the same place. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. I mean, you know, Dr. Mark, I think uh, moving into uh, a little bit more of what's going on in the administration, there was a new executive order Mm -hmm. issued, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago ago. uh, entitled Promoting Competition in the American Economy. Now, that was to many different industries, including including healthcare. Right. And there were four topics that the regulators actually uh, wanted to talk about in this. You want to go through those? Sure, sure. Okay. And some of them, you know, we actually, we've talked about all of these. We have. So prescription drug costs and, and the use of prescriptions of patients. Yep. 
hospital access and consolidation, particularly in rural marketplaces. Right. Adequate options for health insurance coverage through the marketplace. Right. And over-the-counter hearing aid access, which is a really interesting specific one, but it is yep. very, very prominent, big money. In the elderly. Yep. And, yep. and, yep. and it's There's very rarely I pick up a newspaper that I don't see a full-page ad on a hearing yeah. aid company in yes. the newspaper anymore. Right. right, right. Or a magazine. Yep. And it's I mean, and I, on television. And on television. Yeah, and, yeah. Yep. And, and uh, you know, I think that's uh, that, that and at Costco and... And, you know, at uh, Sam's, you know, that, that's been a big piece. So it's interesting that a lot of those hearing aid companies are one company. They're one yep. conglomerate yep. company, yep. and they have multiple products that are thrown out. You know, right. it comes up on Instagram ads. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It it's is. It's really everywhere. It is. So, I mean, how, how's this, how's this uh, order, executive order going to uh, lay well, into think, this? I think what, what we're really looking at here is the Obama administration is, in fact, giving them some credit trying to rein in pharmacy costs. They're trying to help access in rural areas, which mm-hmm. totally makes sense. Sure. We know that that's a, an issue. Uh, the the ACA marketplace, by adding the subsidies and open enrollment, made sense. But the key is, can we sustain those costs? Right, right. And then they're they're addressing hearing aids in particular. So no, it, I think it all makes sense, Dr. It does, Mark. It does. Well, the yeah. conversation does, but, yeah. but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know... Uh, I'll, be, I'll believe more when I see how they want to accomplish it. These, exactly. these, are, these are identifying important issues that yeah. we talk about, and uh, you know, maybe they're just listening to the show. Throwing know. money yeah. at it isn't necessarily right. always the answer. Ooh, speaking of throwing money at it, oh, this <laughs> yeah. is, uh, let's, jump, yeah, let's jump to that's a good so, one. <laughs> so uh, we've talked about the uh, new Alzheimer's drug, Aldohelm, and right. discussed its cost. So, what a fiasco, uh, Dr. Mark. It's just getting it's just a getting snowball. Worse. Yeah, and, we, and, and to our credit, when we were getting all excited about announcing it, we discussed exactly this. We call this, this yep. day one, yep. Dr. Mark. So Mount Sinai Health System and the Cleveland Clinic, they won't be using it. That's right. They said it, they, they're actually didn't say it was too expensive. They said it doesn't work. That's right. So a panel of experts from the Cleveland Clinic reviewed evidence of the medicine's mm-hmm. safety and efficacy, and they concluded that they shouldn't offer it. Um, it's it's just not it's just not effective. Too risky. Yeah. Well, not I think even, it they, caused it brain risk. bleeds was, and uh, some other things. Yep. And I, I know those were minimal. But the bottom line is, was this product really tested appropriately before they really rolled this out and approved it by the FDA? I don't know. And, and there's been so many products that have not been approved for exactly that reason. Yep. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. There's, there's got to be more to this yeah, story, But then Larry. you add those issues on top of a $56,000 price tag, right. and you got a real problem on your hands. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if they just <laughs> snuck it in at a lower lower thought, they, they, it, it might have worked. It might have worked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. United Healthcare is, it hasn't really made their statement on what they're going to do, but they definitely definitely are looking into it. I think you know they, they had an er, earnings call last or I guess a week yeah. ago, Thursday, and they, they are, they're not ready to, to go all in. Either. My money's on no, Dr. Mark. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> hey, be, you know, we're, we're about ready to close out the show, and there's something mm-hmm. that, that we both want to talk about. Sure. Uh, summer is ending. Yes. Sorry about that. So, Believe it or not, August yeah. 10th, yeah. So, Osceola, Orange, and Seminole County yeah. schools are back in, back on track. Kids are getting back in school. Yep. Um, they're, they're getting back together. Vaccines are 12 years and up. Good bit of hesitancy. In, the Pfizer vaccine. Group, the Pfizer yep. vaccine, mm-hmm. yep. And so, you know, what's what's going to be the conversation? We're already hearing, are there going to be masks? Are there going to be vaccines? And uh, there was a there was an article that uh, you brought to my attention. We can mm-hmm. chat about that as we close out. Sure. You know, the article talked about doctors push for kids to get shots. And again, 
that's an urgency because we're only looking three weeks away from school starting. Right. And the schools have already made mask wearing optional for the upcoming school year in Orange Seminole and Osceola County, according to this article. Yet the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has granted emergency youth authorization only to the 12 to Mm 17-year-olds, not under 12. Right. So what do we do, Dr. Mark? Well, I mean, I think we're going to see how it plays out. This is this is the argument that we started. We opened the show with today was vaccine hesitancy. Yep. When, when the yep. vaccines were not here, everybody was screaming, like, when are they going to get mm-hmm. here? When they were here, they're like, well, we're not going to have enough. We have enough. Um, yep. You can get your vaccine. You can at, get at, anywhere at now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's and really, you don't even wait. Yep. So so it's extremely convenient. Yep. Uh, and so I mean, Publix, Walgreens, CVS. The, there's no, you there's no, no, great, no great data for the, the elementary school kids, but certainly, right. you know, that middle school and high schoolers, uh, I mean, it's it's something that I, I want everybody to talk to their pediatrician about. So make the how decision. do you convince these parents yeah. that if you have a 12 year old or older, get the vaccines? I will tell you, my 14 year old granddaughter mm-hmm. yep. just had her second one last Monday. Yep. And she is so excited because next Monday she's out of her 14 day and she feels comfortable yep. going back to school. I think that's going to be a big part of it. Um, I think it's if the parents aren't vaccinated, the kids aren't going to be vaccinated. So yep. it just goes back to uh, the opening of the show when we talked about it. It is. Um, uh, and again, I, I hope that our listeners understand very clearly. We encourage you to get vaccinated. And if your child's eligible, get them vaccinated. Yep. Well, that's another week, Larry. Uh, it, great, great show. Yep. And I uh, look forward to uh, talking to all the listeners right. a week from today. We'll talk to you soon. See Take you next care. week. Okay. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to theanswerorlando.com.